Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Second Corinthians, look, we're going to look at three, three verses today, three separate scripture verses, and maybe you can just kind of pop something in to keep hold of them and keep place. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, Matthew 6, and Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Can I have that in front of me, please? Matthew, or pardon me, Second Corinthians 9, thank you, Matthew 6, and Ecclesiastes chapter 11. 11. We'll look at uh, those three scriptures. You know that we started a series a couple of two weeks ago on money matters. And, and why, why are you teaching on money matters, Pastor Rodney? Uh, because money matters. Say amen. Money matters to you. Say amen. And money matters to God. Money does matter to you. I can tell you what. I know money matters to you. Because every time a preacher stands up and says he's going to teach on money, people get mighty quiet. Don't they? All of a sudden, they got to go to the bathroom. It's the truth. Money matters. Did you know that Jesus spoke more about money than any other subject in the Bible? Did you know that one out of every ten verses in the New Testament deals with money? Did you know that there are more than 2,100 verses in the Bible that talk about money? That's a lot. 2,100 verses. Did you know that one-third of Jesus' parables deals with stewardship or money? Jesus, this is shocking. Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. Things that make you go, hmm. Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. Now, if you attend our church, you know we don't talk about money. We don't have this topic very often because we teach verse by verse. And sometimes when you're teaching verse by verse through an entire book, it could take me two and a half to three years to get through one book. So I don't talk about money unless it comes up in the scriptures. So I decided maybe even last year, I think I'll have a teaching on money in January of every year. I think it's healthy for our church. So we started that in 2019 and here we are uh, in 2020. Uh, Last time, which was about two weeks ago, we talked about how to make your money matter. Today, we're going to talk about how to use your money. How you do that? Generously. What should you do? Use it generously. Second Corinthians, turn with me, be that as it may. Second Corinthians in chapter nine, we're looking at verse six, saints, second Corinthians nine, six. If you're looking at it, say amen. Uh, Listen, everybody should say amen because it's on the screen. Just a small thing. Second Corinthians chapter nine, and we're looking at verse six. If you're looking at it, please say amen. 
But this I say, Paul says, he who sows sparingly will reap what saints? And he who sows bountifully will also reap what saints? So let each one give, what is that? As he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Come on, read it with me. For God loves a cheerful giver and God who is able to make all grace abound, come on, toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance of every good work. Saints, we talk about this often, and I think I want to say it every time we gather to teach on this topic of money. God does not expect us to give what we do not have. That is honestly in the face of a lot of what we've all, what many of us have been taught. We've been taught, many of us, if no matter what, you give your money to God, no matter what, you tithe. So if it's between paying the light bill or giving your money to the church, you give the money to the church and God will provide the money for your light bill. I have heard people say that. I couldn't disagree with that more. Look, if you don't have the money to give to the church and pay your light bill, Mr. Salman, turn me down just a hair, please, because I'm going to get loud. If, <laughs> I'm trying to be easy on the people. That might be too much. Turn me up just a little bit. Just a hair. Okay, get it right. Get it right. Get it right. If it's between paying your light bill and giving money to the church, then please, people, pay your light bill. Because what will happen is you'll give money to the church. Then you'll come to the church and say, I need benevolence. Can you help me pay my light bill? Well, sure, we help you pay your light bill. Why not just go ahead and pay your light bill? Listen, God does not expect you to give what you do not have. But conversely, God expects you to give what you do have. That's what God expects. Remember, true Christian giving is not measured by the amount given. Hmm? Are you listening to me? True Christian giving is measured by what it costs you to give. Think about the widow who put in her two mites in the treasury. Jesus said she put in more than everyone else because it was all she had. You know, one person might be able to give a million dollars. And God says that's not enough. I mean, think about it. If you got like Jeff Bezos money, he's got like a lot of money. Like, who, who needs that much money anyway? He need to go and get someone at the Calvary Chapel carry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go and let the Lord. That's too much money. But if you got that kind of money, like $100 billion or whatever he has, and you give a million dollars to some charitable organization or whatever, that's nothing. That's nothing. That doesn't cost you anything. Another person may give one dollar, and that just might be a sacrifice for them. Are you following me so far? Like the widow and her two mites, right? True giving is measured. Please take your pen. True giving is measured by obedience and proportion, not the amount. Obedience and proportion. Paul says in our text, but this I say, who, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And this is what we call 
or what is known as an axiom, A-X-I-O-M, an axiom. An axiom is a self-evident truth that doesn't need verification because it's so obvious. The truth is, listen, you only reap from the ground what you sow in the ground. Can two saints say amen? The truth is your harvest is directly proportionate to the seed that you sow. Your harvest is, I'm going somewhere, your harvest is directly proportionate to the seed that you sow. Keep in mind when Paul wrote this, uh, they lived in an agrarian society. They lived in a time before there was tractors and combines to spread seed, so they spread seed by hand. I know you know this. So as the farmer would walk through the field, he had a leather bag crossing him, and he would take his hand and reach into the bag and grab a handful of seed, and he would just kind of cast the seed. Well, these seed casters became known as broadcasters because they would just kind of broadly kind of cast the seed. And maybe some of the seed fell from his hand, and maybe he thought he was losing some seed. And maybe you feel like when you're giving to the church, you're losing money. But just as the farmer gives the seed in anticipation of a future harvest, we should give financially in the ground of the kingdom, knowing that God will give to us a future harvest, right? I've told you before that God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. Can I say it again? God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. And one of the principles that God respects is the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is a spiritual law that comes in three unchangeable parts. If you got your pen, keep it handy. It comes in three unchangeable parts. Number one, and some of you already know this, but stay with me. You always reap after the same manner that you sow. Did you get that? You always reap after the same manner that you sow. Number two, you always reap after you've sown. And then number three, you always reap more than you've sown. You will always reap after the same manner that you sow. In other words, saints, if you sow, here's an axiom. If you sow peas, you're not going to get watermelons. Please look at your neighbor and say he he, he right about that. Yes, I know it. If you sow watermelon seeds, you ain't going to get oranges. If you sow peas, you're going to get peas. And what applies spiritually also applies uh, physically. So if you sow peace and love and joy and and forgiveness, guess what you're going to reap? Peace and love and joy and forgiveness. If you sow uh, gossip and bitterness and strife and backbiting, you're going to reap the same. And if you sow financially, you will reap financially. The seed you sow will produce the same kind. You see, this is kingdom giving, a kingdom giving principle. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for what are you listening to me? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. What saints that shall he also reap. So if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap blessings and positivity. From the spirit, what you plant is what you will harvest. What you put in is what you get out. Right? What you put in Wachovia, 
Y'all need to come with me now. What you put in Wachovia is what you're going to get out. If you put $200 in Wachovia, you are not going to go there and draw out $2,000. They have a laugh track for that. What you put in is what you're going to get out. What we become, what we do. And we cannot expect to reap the fruit of the spirit if we do not sow in the field of the spirit. Hosea 8, 7 says, you sow the wind, you reap. Anybody know? The whirlwind. So what you put in is what you get out. Hey, here's something for you. Who you hang around with is who you become like. Young folk, listen to me. I'm trying to help you. You hang around the right people, sweetie. Don't hang around wrong people. Because you might be a good person. You might be a nice person. But when you, look, I think my mama said, the Bible said bad company corrupts good morals. My mom used to say, you're going to become just like the folk you hang around. And that is so true, isn't it? And you know when your mom and your dad say something? You kind of think when they say something, you go, ah, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. But you'll never say it to her face, okay? You better walk away and say it. And then don't let her hear you mumbling. She go, what? What, you mumble something? Come here. I slap them teeth out of your mouth. (laughs) My mother was vicious. It was a vicious woman. (laughs) But she had two boys, and we're from Philadelphia. So she had no time to keep telling us over and over again what to do. So she had to be a little stern, but I knew she loved us. But she would tell us, you hang around the wrong people, you're going to do the wrong stuff. If you sow a certain seed, you're going to reap that seed. Somebody once wrote, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. You'll always, number two, reap after you've sown. Harvest comes later. The harvest comes after planting. You don't sow a seed today and harvest tomorrow. It's Ecclesiastes 3.2 that says there's a time to sow and a time to pluck up that which has been sown. There is a season to sow and a season to reap, and they are different. And the seasons are not simultaneous. We don't sow one hour and reap the next. You sow in the spring and you don't reap until the fall. And you'll always, point number three, you'll always reap more than you've sown. So number one, you'll reap after the same manner. Number two, you reap after you've sown. And then number three, you'll always reap more than you've sown. Can you say amen? A single seed, watch this, can grow a plant that produces hundreds or even thousands of seeds. A single bag of seeds can sow a whole field and produce hundreds of bags of new seed. We reap more than we sow. Think about it like this. If you sow an apple seed, the apple seed doesn't just grow more apples. It grows more apples with seeds. So we reap even, did you, did you get that? Did you get that? We reap more than we sow. And can I add one? I'm talking quick because I'm like behind. Can I add one? We reap only if we sow. In other words, you got to sow. I want to look at one verse really quickly. I told you before I left, we we're going to look at it. I want to look at it quickly. It's in Malachi chapter three. It's a very familiar verse, is it not? Malachi three, eight through 10 reads this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What does it say? 
Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me, God says, and this says the Lord. And if you if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. We have all heard that verse and we've all heard that verse in the context of you need to tithe. And if you do not, is anybody listening to me today? And if you do not tithe then you are cursed with a curse. We've all heard that. Most of us, I'd say, have heard that. Let me just tell you something really quickly, and I'm going to try to make this as quick as I possibly can. God is not in Malachi 3. This is very important to understand. God is not speaking to a person. He is speaking to a nation. God is not speaking to a person. Who's robbing God? Israel is robbing God. Israel was robbing others, and Israel was robbing themselves. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know I do not believe, and I've said this many times, I do not believe that the New Testament, please hear me, I do not believe that the New Testament teaches tithing. I do not believe that we as Christians, within the context of the New Testament, are taught that we need to tithe. And some of y'all are like, phew, that's great. <laughs> Hold on, partner. <laughs> the rest is coming. Hold on. <laughs> I don't believe we're told to tithe. I believe the New Testament teaches more than tithing. Some of y'all are like, doggone it. <laughs> more than tithing. Tithing isn't a principle in the New Testament. Actually, the principle given in the New Testament, if you take your pen right down, is giving. Is giving. Giving is taught in the New Testament. And there are plenty of people and preachers who teach that you must tithe. And then you might say to them, well, do you tithe? And they will say, well, of course I do. I tithe my tenth. And if they tell you that, which most 99.9999 will tell you that, then they are not tithing according to the law themselves. Because do you understand that according to the law, the law required them not to give a tenth of their increase, by the way, increase, but required them to give 23% of their increase. Because there were three basic ties. I'm talking fast, so forgive me. There are three basic ties. Number one, the general tithe, which is in Numbers chapter 18. Paid to the Levites to fund the national government and to compensate them for their tabernacle service. And then there was the worship tithe, to be used for the celebration and the worship at the sanctuary, and then, and that's actually found in Deuteronomy 14, the worship tithe. Also, finally, the welfare tithe, again in Deuteronomy 14, stored up in the individual cities to feed the Levites, the orphans, the widows, and the strangers who lived with the Levites. So those three tithes, and actually there was even more, but let's deal with these three main tithes. With those three tithes, that's a 23% tithe. So people who tell you that if you don't tithe a tenth, you are cursed with a curse, then you say to them, honestly, quite factual, hashtag facts, if you don't tithe 23% of your income, then you are cursed. What you talking about, Willis? See, ain't nobody talking about that, right? Listen, if you're going to keep the law, then keep the whole law. 
That's all I'm trying to say. If you're going to keep the law, you got to keep the whole law. The reality is that the New Testament teaches that we as Christians are not told to submit to the tithing system. As a matter of fact, Eusebius, church father, he said tithing wasn't enforced in the apostolic church. Do you know in the New Testament, Paul never talked about a tenth tithe. Jesus never spoke about tithing. Now you say to me, wait a minute, Pastor Rodney, I know Matthew, when Jesus was in the Gospels, when Jesus was talking about the religious people who tithe cumin and mint, and they'd be like, nine for me, one for Jesus, nine for me, one for God, nine for me. Jesus talked about that in Matthew, and that's true. But then Jesus turned around and said to them, you are so concerned with being religious, You are so concerned with tithing and counting out nine for me and nine for you and one for me. How about if you focus on some love? How about Matthew 23? Go read it in your own time. How about if you focus on some justice? How about if you focus on some mercy? How about if you focus on giving me? This is what Jesus is saying. You're giving me your heart. How about that? And then give me your tithe. Because there are some people who want to give God a tithe, but they don't want him to have their heart. Am I right about it? He ain't for sale. Do you know that? God is not for sale. You can't buy him off. He's not like a mob boss. You can't buy him off. Y'all say amen. And by the way, one last fact and we move on. By the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you have Malachi. From the Old Testament book Malachi, you have 400 silent years to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is still within the dispensation, your big word, don't worry, within the dispensation of the law. The law is still active, still effective. People are still keeping the law. This is the problem they had with Jesus because he kept in their mind breaking the law. He's eating with gluttoners and drunkards and prostitutes. He's healing people on the Sabbath. Why? Because he was keeping the law. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the period of the law. We don't move into this area, era of the, 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 the Christian Christianity until the book of Acts. When Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit descended and now he fills believers and now we are the church of the living God. And this begins the New Testament. Are y'all following me today? Huh? I ain't trying to overload you. Okay. Right? The principle of giving is taught in the New Testament, which again can be more than tied. In the New Testament... We are to give as God prospers us. Isn't it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16? Can I have that verse? I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm kind of tired. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Thank you. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you. Y'all come on. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when we come. Listen, for us as believers, we are to come to church with something. In our hand, with some financial gift in our hand. Every time you walk into the sanctuary, or no law, no legal. Some people do it from the direct deposit or something, and they do it every two weeks. Okay, fine, leave it. 
But for the most part, this is what Paul is saying. When we come to church, we are to come to church with something in our hand. What does it say? As Can I have it in front of me, please? As Leave it there, please. As God prospers you, storing up as he may prosper. But you're to come with something. And you leave something in the offering because this is the church. This is our church. And churches have bills. Y'all say amen. Y'all, I told y'all last time them goldfish ain't free. And I also told you your kids be eating a lot of goldfish. Oh, they be putting them down. I'm like, what? The goldfish again? Man, they be putting them goldfish away. And bills. Look, you can't run your home without paying your bills, right? You try not paying your electric, and when you flip it on, it ain't going to come on. Say amen. If you try, you try to try to not pay your mortgage, and guess what happens? You're going to come home, and there's going to be a yellow sticker on your door. Y'all don't even know what that is, do you? That says you ain't coming in. And they padlocked it. We have to pay bills in the church, and God uses his people to do that. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.